What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that raid Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is... Going to do the same thing again year after year. Oh no! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode four hundred and twelve. Coming to you on Monday, August thirtieth. We're going to look at some season-long over/under, open up a mailbag, and so much more here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. Overcast, Google Play, Omni, wherever you can find a podcast, we are there. Our email address is reignoftroyatfansider.com and our phone number is 213-373-1USC, Second Whispering Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. We are back again uh, with a... Sticking to our Monday-Wednesday format here, uh, we've talked about this before, uh, this season Mondays are where you can get the Fallout episodes, Wednesday is where you can get the preview episode, and on uh, Saturdays, after games, uh, the car cast. So uh, last week on Wednesday we did our season predictions episode, this week, today, Monday afternoon, this is dropping it is the uh, season-long over-under episode, uh, and then Wednesday, t- two days from now, first season, uh, I mean, first uh, game preview of the episode of the season, looking at USC and San Jose State coming up at the Coliseum on Saturday. Yeah, it's it's exciting. I I sort of had the revelation on Sunday that oh, it's game week. Like we were talking about yeah. game notes. Like it's it's game week, and it's it's time to go. I've been writing, you know, game previews over on fansided.com. So all of a sudden it's like, nope, the season is here. And for the first time really all year, literally all year, I'm kind of sort of excited about like USC playing football. I think it helped that there was the week zero. We got to see UCLA. We got to see Nebraska and Illinois. I uh, got to see. San we got Jose to State. see prime example, prime example of how I know things often feel like they are the worst at USC. But like when I say it literally could be worse, I advise you just to turn on a Nebraska football game and like realize Yikes. it could be worse. I, 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 I don't know what to say about Nebraska. <laughs> I don't know what to say about USC football. I don't know what to say about Nebraska football especially. Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, it's not a pretty product. Um, poor Marquis Step. He did get a touchdown for the for the Huskers. Opened up the and season a thirty scoring. yard and a thirty yard wheel route, doing his best Stanley Havili uh, impression. But I was sort of perusing Twitter to find out why he only got four touches, and kind of sounds like the same story. At USC. He just really doesn't isn't trusted in pass protection. So eh, it we'll, happens. We'll we'll see what happens for him and the Huskers moving forward. Uh, UCLA looked really good. Uh, I gotta say, I, the Twitter reaction to that UCLA game was so weird to me. I get it; it's week zero. There's nobody else on TV. 
Uh, a lot of the national media did not watch UCLA last year, so they're going to overreact to one little sample size, a game in which they absolutely demolish Hawaii, especially in the first half. Zach Charbonnet looked incredible, uh, so on and so forth. But, like, did you learn anything about UCLA? Because I didn't. I, no, I mean... I thought they were good last year. I, I expected them to be good this year. That's the thing. And, and the idea that, oh, now that maybe they'll be tough for LSU. Like, what? Like, I always expected them to be tough for LSU because I don't trust LSU at all. Like, I didn't learn anything. Yeah, I, I don't... Like, UCLA looked as good as I would have expected them and to I, And I don't think we're going to learn much from that UCLA-LSU UCLA game either because I, I think both of those teams are suspect on a, on a bigger level, on a bigger scale, which, why, which is why that matchup is so intriguing to me because I could really see it going both ways. Uh, but yeah, I mean, UCLA, they're, they're a better team than their record has probably shown over the last couple of years. The, the, it's not a question of if they can beat Hawaii. It's a question of if they can beat a suspect right. LSU team and if they can be competitive in the Pac-12 South. And that's what we don't know yet. So that'll yeah. be interesting. But Zach Charbonnet looked really good. So, I mean, if you're our, our buddies over at the What's Bruin show, like they've got uh, some good reason to be optimistic. But I think, you know, it's it's very possible USC is in the exact same situation uh, by Sunday where it's like, oh, this team is okay. We'll see. We'll see what they do. But also whatever you see on Saturday might be meaningless in the end. Yeah, it comes down to expectations, right? And uh, if your expectations are low and you do anything great, uh, you look good. Uh, especially if you're George Russell and a Williams, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we're not allowed to talk about F1. No, no, no F1. Yeah, especially since there was no race this way. Yeah. Wait, wait I, I guess. Mm, mm, yeah. There was a quote-unquote giant air quotes race. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyways, uh, last thing I want to get to before we get into the meat of this episode, we want to say all the kind words to our friends over at Traveler Hates Thursdays. Um, they recorded their last episode uh, over the weekend. Uh, they are moving on to do better things, uh, which is sad because I love the THD podcast. Yeah. One of my favorite things. I, I love those guys to death. I think uh, they people. They, they brought an entirely different voice to the USC podcasting world. Yes, that was very fan centric. That was very just we're like like we want to be like fans to a point, but you know we're credentialed and we've tried to to bring the sort of um, <laughs> as level headed playing field as, as we can, can. And what I kind of what I've been a little bit jealous of of the THT guys over the years is just the, like. They get to just go out and riff like they just they just get to riff and just say whatever the heck is on their mind. And they get to they, they've gotten to be just like. Letting it rip and and it's sad that they're not going to be able to do that show anymore, but it's because they all have busy lives and their their lives have moved on to a different uh, different point. And so we totally understand that uh, the frenzy of dealing with that kind of decision. Yeah, they're, they're going pro in something other than mo than podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. But, or something know. other than USC podcasts, at least. But yeah. I am so bummed. Um, but please go over and listen to their final show. Uh, I've only been able to listen to a part of it. I'm I'm well, having serious FOMO because you guys have been talking about how great of an episode it is. Well, so it's, it's, I want to go listen to it. I'd recommend it because it's a season preview too. Like they go through yeah. their picks for the season. I thought they did a really good job of like breaking down uh, the feel, like the the expectations of what USC will be this year and what we don't know about this team. So yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it for sure. Yeah. And, and so in, in honor of Kenny, our pal, Kenny, Kenny Martin over at Traveler H Thursdays, let's get into the sultry, savory ad read. Cause this episode <laughs> is brought to you by Manscaped and Alicia, our listeners from across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Clay Helton's Houston. Uh, you know, do we have a pube problem? Because if so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared the way for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you've got the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to 
Get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Yeah, and with, with the special deal that they have going, you get the lawnmower 4.0, you get the weed whacker ear and nose and ha- hair trimmer. Need you one get, of those. You get the crop preserver ball deodorant, the crop Gotta reviver toner, the performance boxer briefs, which I can attest to, are very comfy, and a, honestly, a kick-ass travel bag to hold your whole solar system in. It's bigger yeah. on the inside, guys. Yeah, this is... This is true. Uh, so manscaped.com, promo code is fansided20. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code fansided20. Uh, Manscaped bringing this episode of Random Radio to you. Uh, and with that, let's jump right into it. We got a bunch of stuff here on the docket. Uh, let's get to the news, shall we? Alicia, a little bit of news to touch on before we get into our season-long over-unders. Yet again, we've got another big quarterback discussion to talk about. Quarterback decision from Clay Helton uh, and uh, Graham, the offensive coordinator. Here we are. Graham Harrell, Clay Helton have picked QB2 as Jackson Dart. Are you stunned? Are you I'm, actually, I'm actually not that stunned, not that shocked. No. Uh, what we saw of him in the spring, it was pretty clear that he was ahead of Miller Moss. Yep. Obviously, we didn't get to go to fall camp this year. So um, what I've seen from the reports from you know our friends over at USCFootball.com and elsewhere is that Miller Moss had kind of caught up a little bit, which I think is very good because the more competition there is, I, I don't, I see a lot of people crowning Jackson Dart as the next great thing. I think it would be great if he's the next great thing, but it's better for USC in general if Miller Moss is right there with him competing. And then when you get to them, uh, you know, another year down the line, who has taken the the biggest stride? So Miller Moss closed the gap a little bit this fall, but Jackson Dart is still QB2. And I think it's pretty clear that Jackson Dart would give USC the best opportunity to win if something happened to Keaton Slovis. And sad to say, that possibility has to be accounted for this year. It's a real bummer that Mo Hassan injured uh, his knee in the spring game because I think Mohsana would have been pretty comfortable with guiding USC uh, if needed to as a veteran presence. But if something were to happen, I think Jackson Dart is as exciting a backup as you can uh, as you can imagine. So uh, cross your fingers that we don't have to see very much of him this year. But if we have to, then I, I think it will be a very exciting prospect. Yeah, hundred percent. He was someone in the spring game that I was really impressed with, and. Uh, the other spring practice that we went to uh, as well. Uh, he was very, very impressive. We'll see what happens uh, going forward uh, with with him in the QB2 spot. Uh, it is interesting how it parallels to two years ago when Keen Slovis comes in out of nowhere, gets the QB2 spot. A little bit different for, for Jackson Dart because I think we expected it after we saw him in the spring. It, it kind of seemed like a formality that he would be able to get there uh, and, and win it, and he ultimately does. Uh, the other news to touch on is talking about USC's wide receiver core, uh, Brew McCoy. Uh, he was not with the team for fall camp. We know that he was under investigation uh, by the authorities, and uh, he's not charged with a what? What is what? What was he not charged with? He was um, arrested for domestic battery. Uh, or battery with a domestic element, which is basically just someone you live with or someone that you're in a relationship with. Um, he was arrested for that, but he, the prosecutors are declining to charge. So from a legal standpoint, he's in the clear, which uh, obviously is is good for him personally. The trouble for him when it comes to his USC career is that he is still suspended indefinitely because he's going through the Title IX uh, investigation with the Title IX office, and they're going to do an examination and figure out if, if, you know, even if the the legal system isn't going to deal with him, how is USC going to deal with him? Right. And we have to withhold judgment until we see what their conclusions are. I think it's a good step that uh, that, that the the prosecution isn't going to go forward, um, because that suggests that the the case was not cut and dry, 
which, you know, you want some some wiggle room there as far as our judgment of, of what he did or didn't do. But not knowing the details, not knowing what USC is going to come up with, he is is I'm just I'm not expecting to see him play football for USC this year. And I am not holding my breath of seeing him play football for USC going forward. So that's where I'm at. Just yeah. knowing what we know about how the Title IX investigations usually go. I, I don't think there's been a player who's come back, right? Yeah. So uh, he could be the one. They could they could completely clear him. I think that's the thing that we would all like to see, to find out that he is uh, you know, innocent or that it was uh, something that wasn't what it seemed like in the initial reporting. Uh, but there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can say that will change what's going on with him. He has to go through this process, and we'll see where he comes out. Uh, at the end of it. So just let let the process go. Let the process get handled. Right. And we'll see where, where we are when that's all done. Yes, we will see. Uh, indeed. That's going to wrap up the news. Alicia, it is time to get to one of our favorite segments over under. But this time, talking about the 2021 season. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia, let's get into some over-under. Last year, we did a cool thing. Really, two years ago, we got an email from uh, from a listener named Jake who said, hey, the way you guys are doing it, it's cool, but like, why don't you do it this way? And he suggested a way that was much better, where we set our over-unders, and instead of us being able to match over-unders, you take the under, you set the, the line, and then I take the under, and then you also t- get the pick. You are basically setting the line in R the house, and then mm-hmm. I um, say over or under, and you win or lose dependent on where you set the line uh, versus my, uh, for entertainment purposes, only bet. Right? Yes. So um, it, it was really fun to do it that way last year. But on top of this, we got all of you guys involved, too. Uh, we put together a a Google Doc or a Google form that we would put out every single week and have you guys play over-unders along with us. We're going to do that this year. So look for it on Twitter. We're going to put out a form with all the over-unders that we talk about in this game uh, or in this podcast along with the ones that we do on Wednesday for our USC versus San Jose State uh, game preview. So the season-long over-unders plus each game's Uh, A set of over-under every single week. We're going to put that all together, and then we're going to track who wins every week, who wins at the end of the season, uh, and who gets bragging rights uh, for the over-under championship. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, What's your first over-under for the season, Alicia? What do you got? All right. I got 30.5 rushing attempts per game for USC. So in 2020, USC averaged 30.67. In twenty, uh, sorry, in twenty nineteen, it was thirty point zero eight. So Graham Harrell is pretty much hovered just over thirty, but not above thirty. Uh, so USC is always talking about emphasizing the run game. They have a new offensive court, a new offensive line coach. Uh, they have Keontae Ingram and you know some a bunch of new transfer running backs. Will they emphasize the run game more this year? Will they get over 30.5 rush attempts per game? Huh. I, I look at this one of two ways. Um, are they going to have more plays? Uh, more plays means more opportunities to run the ball. And I think if you if you look at it and think that the offense is going to be more successful, that's going to mean more plays, theoretically, which would mean more opportunities to run the ball. Uh, however, the, the flip side of that is, are there really chances for for SC to be able to use the passing game? Um, and we've seen it last year where guys like Malpei and Stephen Carr got involved uh, in in the passing game. Could those augmented running uh, running attack um, passing routes, you know, the the wheel routes and the dump offs and all that stuff, could they take away from the rushing totals? I think yes. But given USC's consistency the last two years under Graham Harrell, I'm 
Give me the over, but I have no confidence in this. <laughs> well, these aren't like confidence picks. The good news is these aren't confidence picks, so it's just the over. I, I, I think there's a good, there's a chance that it happens, but like you, who knows? Who yeah. really knows? Yeah. Uh, next one, uh, my first over under. I'm gonna go over under five and a half games. Five and a half games in which Keaton Slovis throws for 300 to 399 passing yards. So he has passing yards that start with a three. Three digits starts with a three. Got it? In the 300s. So why is this notable? Because he did it four times in six games in 2020, but he did it just once in 2019, which is kind of funny because in 2019, he didn't have a single, he only had one game in which he had uh, was in the 300s. But he had three games in the 400s and one game in the 500s. So five and a half games in the 300 range for Keaton Slovis in terms of passing yards in 2021. What do you got, Alicia? Oh, this is tough because, again, like, are they going to focus more on the run game? Is the run game going to necessitate fewer passing yards? Are they going to be up big in games going in, going out of the third quarter? And then Keaton doesn't have to throw in the fourth quarter, which is when he's at his best, when he racks up uh, a lot of those yards. Uh, will he be healthy so that he's actually playing more than five games for USC this year? Um, I think that there are a lot of, a lot of factors that go along here. So I am going to go with the over. Uh, between the 300 and 400 because I think that he will probably be, be in that range more often than he is not. And uh, I could see it being like six or seven games that, that, that he's in that. So uh, I may regret that in the end, but I'm going to take the over. All right. She's taken over five and a half games uh, in the 300s uh, for Keaton Slovis, which locks me into the under. Uh, what's your next one? All right, we've got uh, something simple. 2.25 sacks allowed per game. Last year, USC averaged 2.5 allowed. The year before, they averaged 2.15 allowed. They have the new offensive line coach, Clay McGuire, but they don't have Elijah Vera Tucker or anyone of note uh, of, of note that is, we know that they're going to be reliable. We know that they're going to protect Caden Slovis well. Uh, it's a fresh start on, at the tackles. You could just say there's no projected with, first round pick. Well, there's definitely no projected first round pick at yeah. either of the tackle spots. So Cortland Ford and Jonah Monheim uh, at left and right, the offensive line in between. Uh, will this be a year where USC gives up more sacks than they have in the past or fewer sacks? Um, I am gonna I, I'm I'm gonna be crazy and I'm gonna take it the under so under the two point two five uh and potentially close to what the number was in, in twenty nineteen, which is very close to that, two point one five. Uh my argument is I think we're gonna see a more confident Keaton Slovis, and that could mean him running the ball a little bit, taking those two-yard gains that we saw him do all the time in 2019 to get the ball out a little bit quicker, um, trying to maybe evade sacks a little bit better. We, I thought he had such great pocket presence in 2019 that kind of went backwards last year. We know that he was dealing with some confidence issues along with his arm. I think that could factor into those numbers when they're that small. Plus, you look at it and you just have to imagine Keaton Slovis in year three, in general, might be able to get the ball out sooner. So, in the under. I could see it. I just, again, I don't. This offensive line will be fascinating to watch. It could could get bad. Yeah, at this point, I don't have any reason to to completely go all in on the offensive line. But when you look at the the margin of these numbers, it's pretty small. Uh, Next one, I'm going to go over or under... (laughs) <laughs> over under six and a half wins against the spread for USC 2021. So will they have more than six wins in 2021 against the spread? Uh, why is the number there? Because actually the last two years, SC has been 10 and nine. There were three and three last year. There were seven and six in 2019, uh, 2018 and 2017. They were atrocious four and eight. 
and four and ten. They did have a winning record in 2016 uh, at eight and five. Uh, Alicia, what do you got? This is the biggest under and easiest under that I've ever given. If I get burned by this, then I, that's fine. But always, always, always take the under on this one. Uh, I think the phrasing probably works better of don't bet on USC. Don't bet on USC to cover. Never do it. They don't do it. It's not like if it starts to happen, then I have successfully reversed psychology, the crap out of this. But like the track record is not good. And the only thing that's going to stop that is if Vegas figures out that they are giving USC too much uh, room, wiggle room on that uh, on that spread. But remember, USC has an quote unquote easy schedule this year, which means USC is going to be favored in the vast majority of these games. Take that under. Don't want anything to do with that over. Goodbye. Uh, so, so the 10 and 9 record the last 19 games doesn't matter for you? No, it does not matter to me. No. Okay. No. Right. Uh, I kind of like this. I, I kind of like the over there because potentially a Pac-12 championship game and a bowl game, two more opportunities to get a seventh win. Sure. Against the spread. I yep. don't know. I kind of like it. Uh, so uh, you take the under there. I will be locked into the over. Uh, Alicia, what's your next one? All right, I've got 25.5 turnovers gained by USC's defense. So interestingly enough, in the last two years, USC has had 16 turnovers in each season. Uh, but uh, big, big difference in those 16 turnovers. In 2019, that was 1.25 turnovers per game. In 2020, that was 2.28 turnovers per game. If you took last year's turnover rate and equated it to 12 games, so a full season, it would have been 27.36, which over a 12 season a 12 game season would have been best in the Pac-12 in like 2019 for instance. ASU had 28 in I think it was 13 or 14 games. So, the turnovers last year actually USC was pretty good on the on in terms of turnover rate that they were forcing. The difference is they don't have Talano Hufanga who accounted for four interceptions last year and several fumbles. So, will they be able to keep up the high turnover rate? went with 25.5 because that that would be good 26 would be good on any given 12 game season um but it wouldn't be like 27 because you know you have to account for Afanga. no Afanga, yeah. but i think every other part on this defense should be better okay so i am going to take the over i want to see what this defense does in year two under todd orlando Maybe the the thing working against this is that at texas todd orlando's defense was great in year one and yeah. repressed every year after that <laughs> But does but, last year count as your one, I guess, is my question yeah, for Todd that, Orlando. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. So um, who knows? But I'm going to take the over, get a little risky. Uh, so give me the over to 25 and a half turnovers gained for USC. Again, it does help if they end up playing 14 games. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, next one, over under three and a half players missing games for COVID protocols. I don't know how to break this down. I, I I usually write notes in the rundown of like, you know, we, we write little tidbits well, okay. and stuff. And I, I have nothing written down there because I don't know what to put there. Okay. So what we know is 119 of USC's 124 players are vaccinated. Yes. And the ones who aren't have waivers. exemptions, have yeah. waivers. Um, the ones who aren't, even though they have waivers, could create the issue because they're going to, I'm so I presume they're going to have to go through testing throughout the season. Yeah. And if they're being tested and get popped, then you end up with vaccinated players getting tested. And that's how you could end up with vaccinated players missing out. Um, if they get it, the vaccinated players could, could carry without symptoms and all yes, that. Kind of bas- stuff, yeah. Basically the vaccinated players, uh, from what I understand is they wouldn't be getting tested unless they showed symptoms. And that is definitely a possibility because we've seen throughout MLB that vaccinated players are, and, and in NFL vaccinated players are getting COVID and when they're testing positive, they do have to sit out. So I'm going to go with the over here. I would love to pick the under, but I think just sheer chance, like just sheer chance, you're probably going to have, you know, a week of the season where you have like five or six guys out and and that'll be, you know, at least every team will deal with that at least once this year. Uh, just because the vaccine is very effective at preventing 
um, stronger cases of COVID, but you can still get it, especially the Delta variant is out there. There's a lot of other variants that are getting out there. So right. I think United and American coming out with one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the spirit and frontier spirit ones. And, the spirit and frontier those. ones are the ones that you never want to get. No. Yeah. Well, they'll yeah. charge you for those. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the other thing is, um, yeah, the three and a half. Uh, we're gonna call it scholarship players, by the way. Scholarship players. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. To to kind of deal with that. Yeah. Make it a little bit simpler, but um, yeah, I, I that that one's a complete crapshoot. So, uh, you take the over, locks me into the under. Uh, what's your next one? All right, we are going with forty six yards per punt for Ben Griffiths. My God, Ben Griffiths. He averaged 46.39 with a small sample size in 2020, averaged 41.17 in 2019. If he were up above 46 yards, he would have been top five in uh, 2020 uh, if he had qualified in terms of number of punts. And he would have been top 11, tied with Michael Turk, or, or you know up there with Michael Turk from ASU in 2019. So we're talking... Punt, yards per punt in the top 10 nationally, essentially, is what I'm I'm giving the context of that 46 yards per punt for Ben, Griff- ben Griffiths. Oh, my God, Ben Griffiths. Oh, my God, Ben Griffiths. Um, I know you want to take the over, so I'll let you get it. Get it. I'll take, like, give me the under. Okay. I'm cool with that. <laughs> I just I can sense it. I can sense it yeah. on your face. You, yeah. you want the over. So I, I'll, I'll give it over. to you. I'll be nice. Yeah, thanks. Next one, over under 85%, so 85.0, over under uh, USC's defensive red zone conversion percentage. The Trojans ranked 119th in 2021, allowing points on 93.8% of drives in the red zone. 15 of 16 netted points for the opponents. Uh, 85% would have been 72nd last year. Uh, which is what the goal is for this over-under, 85%. Uh, SC was below 85% in 2016 and 2018, but have been over that uh, in the other years under Clay Helton. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, it. <sighs> this is This is total percentage, so we're talking field goals and... Uh, touchdowns. So okay. If, so okay. even if they don't give up any touchdowns, if they give up a field goal on every drive, it's still 100%. Okay, so I would like to be like... I would like to be negative about everything <laughs> just because that's my that's my shtick this season. Um, but like, I feel like it's got to get better. Like, it has to get better. So... So if I take the under, the, you take the under, it would be improving. They would be improving, right? Yes. So I will take the under. I think that USC's okay. defense will be better in that aspect in 2021. Yes. Okay. That's fair. Um, that, I don't feel good about it. No, it locks me into the over, which I think could still work because I think SC could could be better next year. Uh, and still not be at 85%, considering that, again, 93.8% was where they were last year. Yeah. Which was atrocious. Not good. Yeah. Yeah. Completely <laughs> atrocious. Uh, next one, what do you got? All right. I've got 150.00, and that's a fourth quarter passer rating for Keaton Slovis. He was at 153.45 in 2020 and 2682 in 2019, so we know he can be up there. He's had a, a rating of 14 touchdowns and just one interception in fourth quarters in his career. So, like, I think the over is there for the taking here. But, but, can he possibly keep up that fourth quarter incredibleness this year? Can he possibly be that good again in the fourth quarter, especially with all of the questions we have around USC's offense? I don't think it's a given. So I'm putting that at 150 because 150 is a is a very good quarter quarterback rating for an individual quarter. Lisa, does does USC play Oregon this year? They do not. Well, in the Pac-12 title game, they will. Mm, Touche. <laughs> uh, give me the over. I think that okay. Keaton Slovis, we know fourth quarter Slovis is a thing. 
Uh, and he's real damn good in the fourth quarter against every team but Oregon. And yeah. I think you take out Oregon. That, that, <laughs> and that, ra- that rating is rising. That yeah. rating from last year at 153 is uh, real good. And considering you put the line at 150, which is below that 153. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm definitely taking the yeah. over. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next one for me is 14 and a half receptions for freshman tight end Michael Trigg. Why 14 uh, and a half? Because Bryce Dixon had 14 uh, in 2014. As a true freshman, Tyler Pertina as a true freshman had 15. Josh Amaterbebe had 17. Josh Follow had four. Eric Cromenhoek had two. Jude Wolf had two last year. So the numbers have dropped off considerably, but have you seen that video from Michael Trigg and all the stuff that he did, all those dirty, filthy things he did to the defense? Yes, I have, and he looks very good, but also we're talking about practice. We're talking about practice, not a game, not a game. Practice, yeah. Practice, yeah. Uh, taking the under, love Michael Trigg, think he's great, but USC has too many targets out there to get the ball to. Um, I think he gets the over if there's an injury and uh, knock on all the wood, there might be, but I think the safe bet here for me is to say the oh, the under wouldn't be surprised if he has 12. I'm going to take a cop out. Um I'm glad you get to pick on this, so that way I just take whatever you don't pick. But I'm my if I had to choose objectively, I think he's either going to get it big or not at all. Like he's not going to have zero or like thirty. Yeah, yeah, like zero or like forty. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, mostly because I I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up kind of playing that Drake London role that we saw. Yeah. Uh, a couple years ago. But, but, but Drake London is also there. Drake London still exists. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Uh, next one uh, for you, your, your, your last one. All right. This is a special for the fans out there. 10.5 games before Clay Helton is fired. Notre Dame is game seven. ASU is game nine. We know from the season predictions episode that I have uh, that juicy, juicy bye week before the Notre Dame game is the date that I'm targeting. Uh, but I think that uh, there's a very good chance that no in-season firing happens. So we're going 10.5 games. Will USC play the final two games of the season with Clay Hilton as their head coach? So you're saying games completed, correct? After the 10th. So after the 10th game. So the last two games of the season are UCLA and BYU. Before the UCLA game, will Clay Hilton be fired? Before the UCLA game. Anytime before the UCLA game. Okay. So I believe Cal's the week before? Yes. So you're saying... After the Cal game or before? Yes. In the week after the Cal game. Or, Either way, or, or I, I am I am taking the over. Uh, I don't think he gets fired midseason, okay. which would clinch the over for me. Okay, that's fair. We'll discuss that. I know. All season long. We, yeah. you, we, we talked about it plenty last we, week. We've, we've the, had this discussion. Yeah. Uh, predictions episode. Uh, my last one is over under 99.5. Catches for Drake London in 2021. Uh, can he get to 100? That's the question. He only had 33 last year in six games. That was a pace for 72 in a 13-game schedule, assuming SC gets to play a bowl game. But Tyler Vaughns and Amon Ra are gone. They would have combined for 160 in a 13-game schedule. Both those guys, not there. Brew McCoy, not there. And Michael Pittman had 101 2019 for reference. Can Drake London get to 100? 99.5 is the line for his catcher. Oh, you are baiting me into this, sir. And yes, I'm taking the over. If anyone was going to, if I was going to predict that anyone's going to have 100 catches in a season, it's Drake London. Uh, Drake has the most familiarity with Keaton Slovis. It's a high volume Mm -hmm. offense. He is incredible. It doesn't matter if people put two defenders on him. It doesn't matter where he's lined up on the field. I trust him to make the catch. I think he will be the go-to guy for Caden Slovis. I'll take that over. Uh, it's like a it. very good chance that it is at the under because, you know, USC could have Taj Washington and Katie Nixon and everybody else taking touches, yeah. but I'm still taking the over because that's how much I love Drake London. All right. Okay. I, I respect it. I dig it. I like the pick. 
Uh, that's going to lock me into the under. I like that pick, The too. only thing I have faith in this season is Drake London. Like, the only thing. Like, Drake London is... Not 20 Drake tw- Jackson? Drake, no, not Drake Jackson. Drake London is 2012 Marquise Lee for me. The only enjoyable thing about this season is going to be watching Drake London play football. And we all need to enjoy the crap out of every moment that he's on the football field. That's my my philosophy for this year. All right. All right. I, I, I respect it. I respect it. Uh, last one. We got one from Brandon over on Slack. Uh, he wanted to know if if USC's uh, turnover margin would gain by 0.5 versus last year. Uh, so I did the math. That would be a turnover margin of plus 1.33 per game. Plus 1.33 of a turnover margin per game because last year... USC was plus 0.089. And last year was the first positive margin since 2015. 1.33 would rank second in FBS in 2020 and fourth uh, in FBS in 2019. Okay, so um, my worry is that Keaton Slovis will need to play some hero ball in this season. And I think his interception numbers will go up. I think that junior year quarterbacks often have that situation where all of a sudden there's more on their shoulders and so their interception totals Barkley, go up. Saw it with Kessler. Yep. yep. So I'm going to take the under on this in that USC will be under 1.33 turnover margin because I think USC's defense will be good, but turnovers don't necessarily have to equate to that. And I think you lose your yeah. best turnover guy in Hongo. So defense will slightly come down. Offense will slightly go up. And so I don't think they're going to gain um, in terms of uh, that much, certainly point yeah. five. I'm going to take the under too. Brandon set the line, so we can both yeah, do that. we can both take that. Uh, yeah. I'll take the under. I think if it's over, lock up SC to win the Pac-12. That's fair. If, if that's the turnover margin for the season, I think, yes, you're at least lock up USC to win the, win the South. Yeah, uh, I, I would say so as well. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for our over-unders. Please, 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 please. Go over to Twitter, twitter.com. Also, I'll put a, a link in the show na- notes right now to even make it easier for you guys. Wherever you listen to the podcast, go to the show notes and click play our over-under game for the season. Make your picks uh, and uh, take your overs, take your unders, and we'll see at the end of the season how you did versus us. It'll be really fun. Uh, but uh, let's get to the mailbag to wrap this thing up. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's start with a Slack message we got from L.A. Fred. With the freshman redshirt rule being play four games or less to keep your freshman status, will Jackson Dart or Miller Moss see action in five or more games this year, thus burning their redshirt? I think uh, Dart will burn his redshirt. Wow. Yeah, you Straight can't. Up. I just don't think you can be a backup quarterback and not expect that red shirt to get burned. I just don't see it happening. Um, Keaton could get injured a couple games. It, who else is going to come in to throw passes in the fourth quarter if USC is ahead? Like it could be a situation where you have him play three games early in the season in the fourth quarter, and then suddenly Keaton's out for two games, and now you've hit five games and your red shirt's gone. Um, Moss, I think, will keep his red shirt. Huh. I. I, I... I don't know that I agree with that. I, I think that looking back on it, I, I think that you look at SC's freshman quarterbacks, Matt well, Fink, was, was three Keaton games gonna, in 2017. Was Keaton going to keep his, his red shirt sitting behind JT? Well, JT got hurt. So that's yeah, but that's my point. Like, Even situation. if JT didn't get hurt, was Keaton going to keep his red shirt? I just don't think you can expect to keep your red shirt if you're the backup quarterback. I, I, Unless they're willing to I, put I out a walk-on instead of you. Matt Fink played one game last year. Matt Fink played in eight games, but in, in 2019, but he also played in eight games partially because, yeah, uh, like he got more also, action because he was playable. I'm also assuming that Keaton will get injured. So, yeah, I think I just think it's more likely than not that he burns the red shirt. I don't think either one burns. I think he could miss a game and they could still keep their red shirt intact. Uh, the other thing is, at, at this point, I don't know what, what the red shirts matter for those quarterbacks. Yeah. When they look at the pros, meaning what it does. 
Uh, let's go to a tweet from Joe M. What's more likely, USC goes 12-0 in the regular season or USC wins less than seven games? More likely less than seven games. I just I don't know how you can trust this USC team to be undefeated. The schedule is there for it, but you still have to beat Notre Dame and you still have to not screw up at any other point in the season. And we just this team doesn't earn that kind of trust. So I think it's more likely that USC wins less than seven. Yeah, then goes undefeated. I agree. Since the stipulation is regular season, yeah. If it was twelve games, period, I would take the twelve games over a six game. uh, Yeah, it's it's, it's not the twelve; it's the O. It's the O that's right. It's it's the going twelve and O. Yeah, if it was twelve and two versus a six win season, give me the twelve and two. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But 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 at this point, yeah. I, mind you, I wouldn't bet on any of those things. No, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I would. I would think that a six-win season would be more likely. Even that is very. I think USC is very minimal. much heading for eight and four, nine and three. Like just nine very three, much yeah. nine and three, eight and four. Yeah, that, that's where our predictions were. Yeah. To, to spoil last week's episode, if you haven't listened yet. Uh, next one from Johnny King. If Pete Carroll was the coach of this team, would they be in the CFP? Um. Yes, because if Pete Carroll was the coach of this team, they'd lose to Washington State, but they'd beat every, they'd win every other game, and they'd be the Pac-12 title winner with one loss, and go to the CFP. Let's be honest here. Who's on Pete Carroll's staff? Well, I mean, yeah. If Jeremy Bates is the friggin' offensive coordinator, we're having a different conversation. Yeah. But, I mean, what Pete Carroll take staff, staff is this? Take this staff and put Pete Carroll as the head coach, and I would bet that this team wins the Pac-12. And if this team wins the Pac-12, so you're just swapping out head coach. If I, if I mean, you're, there's you're, no you're the other par- the same staff and just the other out parameters. There's no other parameters in the tweet. So no, if, I, I get that. If Pete Carroll was the coach of this team, let's keep the staff in place and let's put Pete Carroll instead of Clay Helton. I believe They're this still team, not in the playoff. This team would win the Pac-12, and if this team wins the Pac-12, they've got a good chance of going to the playoff. I don't think swapping Pete Carroll and Clay Helton with the existing staffs changes as much as people think. I it think does. it does because Pete Carroll is a better judge of what is and isn't a good game plan, what is and isn't good practice. Yeah, so I think that might, what is and that isn't, might like be, all of those, especially might with give a, SC a win or two more. Easy, but but is SC a, a win or two from the playoffs? No, I think very, they're like two or three wins. It's a playoff. very fortunate schedule. Like I think you give Pete Carroll this sure, fortunate schedule, yeah. and I think Pete Carroll romps. Romps? Yeah, I think he romps. With he the loses, same, same he staff lo- and same roster. He loses to Washington State. That's the, that's the only thing. It's the, Pac- the Pac-12 home opener is, I mean, the Pac-12 road opener is guaranteed the loss. You, you're acting as if this is peak of his powers staff for, for Pete. No, I think that... I think that uh, There's the, no Pat rule. Well, that's the biggest issue is is the offensive staff, I think, is is below what you... But you would have a, you, your defense. I think Pete Carroll with Todd Orlando would work just fine. And then you ride your defense, and you've got a quarterback, you've got receivers. Who's calling plays on defense? Pete, I don't know. Would Pete Carroll have Todd Orlando? I think the defense would be very fast. Uh, yeah, I, sure. I just, I just think that I still think your offensive issues, especially up front, still exist. Yes, but if I mean, again, I still think the this team wins the Pac-12 with Pete Carroll at the helm. Because we're talking about this team winning the Pac-12 with Clay Helton at the helm, like. This team is, yes, is in but, the contention. But, so, like, but this is talking about going to college football playoff. This yeah, is talking about a January 6th. What, what I'm saying is if you win the Pac-12, your chance, like basically you win the Pac-12, right? So if you're going to do that, do I think Pete Carroll could beat Brian Kelly's Notre Dame? Yeah, I think Pete Carroll could beat this year's version of Brian Kelly's Notre Dame where they're replacing an where they're replacing offensive linemen the, and, and quarterback. The other thing and all is, kind of I, I think we would agree that SC could win any single game on their schedule. That's what that's is, my point. Right. That and if you're giving me Pete Carroll with the schedule that is, I mean, I already think there's a there's this team should win could win more games than we expect them to win no, just I, because the yeah. schedule plays out that way. You put per- Pete Carroll in the helm, suddenly my confidence rises, and yes, I do think this yeah. team goes in college. I agree, but he still needs Pat Rule. Uh, email from Barry. It's been months since the last piece on the Trojans football team. Meanwhile, they're in camp and have already made a major decision on the first and second team backups and offensive and defensive rankings. I'm sure I'm not the only one asking these questions. So will we be packing up this year or will you fight on on Raynatroy.com? Cheers, Barry Fisher. Uh, we got other emails about this too. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. Alicia, you are no longer working on Raynatroy.com. I mean, I, I, yeah, yes, yes. Um, I am full-time on Fansided.com. That means... My entire work schedule is focused on fansided.com. I owe it to them to focus, keep my focus on fansided.com. Um, we're doing the podcast out of my hours from fansided.com. So, like, the podcast is already taking up 
quite a bit of time um, of my like my day job at this point. So um, randotroy.com, it's just there's not time to be keeping up the site through camp and through all of that kind of stuff. Now, we've worked out um, a, situ- a situation where we're going to be able to cover game days, um, where we're going to be able to get some content up through the week. But it is it would the coverage is just it's going to be not going to be what it was last year. It's but, not going to be. But we're going to make sure full time coverage completely empty. The site is not dead. Randotroy.com is not dead from a written perspective. Um, it's just going to have to it, it's it's you know, it's a side project at this point. Randotroy.com is. Until we can get somebody else to come in and run it, which is complicated. So, um, you know, <laughs> if if people out there want to write for the site and happen not to live in California, hit us up because we would love to have people writing for the site. Uh, but uh, that's the biggest hurdle that we have right now is just um, uh, I can't do it myself. You can't. You are already have enough on your plate. The site is just going to have to be what it is for right now. Yeah. Uh, let's go to a Slack message from Grumpyoso. How does this sound for a mega conference uh, for the Pac-12? Bring in Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, SMU, uh, Houston, Oklahoma State, San Diego State, and Boise State. Split the two divisions into a ten-team conference with Boise, UW, Wazoo, Oregon, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford, USC, UCLA, and San Diego State in one conference, and Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado. Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, Houston, SMU, uh, and Oklahoma State in the second eight-game conference with two crossover games and two non-conference games. Uh, and the champions against the champions from each division will play in a playoff. Uh, and the advantage you take is that most of the Texas media market with Dallas and Houston markets increasing your viewership and more media money, says Grumpyosa. Um, I think it's an interesting idea. I think that... You're bringing on a lot with that, though. And I think that if you are the original Pac-12 teams or the, certainly the original Pac-10 teams, you don't want to cede anything to the Baylors and SMUs and Oklahoma States and TCUs and Texas. Like those, I think you'd be giving away a lot of your autonomy by bringing that many teams in. Um, the academic standards certainly don't match up with with the current makeup of the Pac-12. Um, so I think it would be interesting, but I don't think that the PAC 12 is the, sh- is the one that should be the first one to make a mega conference. I don't think enough of those brands are big enough to justify making the mega conference. I think you, you solidify with your 12 and, and basically just, uh, George Klyavkov and, and all them, they just need to get the conference stronger. Like they have the pieces, yeah. USC, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, they have the the pieces, Stanford when they're good, like there's no reason the 12 that are currently there couldn't be more powerful. They just have to invest win games. properly. Yeah, win games. Yeah, win, win games, 100%. Uh, also, the Pac-12 said it's not wanting to expand for now. Yes. Uh, for now, certainly a caveat there, but uh, but that's how it stands. Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from the 614 area code. Yes, hi, Michael and uh, Alicia. This is a call for the podcast. Uh, I wouldn't really say it's a rant or anything, right? I'm just listening to the latest. Uh, podcast, and uh, Michael asked us to call in on our thoughts about uh, taking the scraps left over from the Big 12. I guess, as a SC fan who's dealt with the mediocrity of that team and then struggling, you know, with only having, like, say, Oregon, a good Oregon team if they could beat them, as of late, which we know, they usually pull the ducks and choke and lose the ducks. Who else should I have to beat in the past 12 right now that really would catapult them into the playoff at the span? So I guess my question is, with the exception of TCU, who's probably been a little bit more prevalent in the past than the middle of the pack in the past 12, who else would get USC take on that if they beat them regularly, but actually make them look, you know, sexier to the playoff committee? Because the SEC already claims that its weakest teams are already considerably stronger on a regular basis. You know, at least their fan base thinks that, you know, when trying to talk smack, you know, like the Paris Hilltop. So I'm all for expansion or SE going independent. I'm not really sure. I just want the Trojans to be good again. And, uh, 
this whole thing is interesting. And give Bush and Tyson back. And congratulations on YouTube as well. And uh, fight on. I look forward to hearing the next episode. Thanks for the call. Good, good call there. I, I, I love the idea that, yeah, who is going to make USC better? Who's going to make the conference better of those teams in the Big 12? I don't think there's an answer. Uh, yeah, 12-0 Oklahoma State's in a specific year might help, but when's Oklahoma State been 12-0? Yeah, I, I think that the teams you look at are definitely TCU and Oklahoma State. Um, I think Texas Tech has been interesting occasionally. Other than that, I mean, Baylor, I guess. Uh, other than that, it's... It, but, but aren't those schools on the... Like they're, if, they're if you honor- compared them to what, what the Pac-12 has, you're you're comparing them at best to like an ASU level. Th- that's school? that's exactly the problem I have with those teams is that they're on the all of those teams from the Big Twelve are on the ASU roller coaster of sometimes they're kind of good, sometimes they're not. There you can call it the ASU Stanford UCLA roller coaster, where capable of being a top fifteen team, but more often a you know maybe a top twenty five if they're good, you know in and out in and out of those rankings. So. It's not like you have like perennial juggernauts. That's why they were not the ones that got pulled into the SEC. So uh, while I think it would be really fun to expand and and, and do all that, yeah, I'm not sure that adding those teams makes it more likely for USC to go to the playoff than just beating the 12 teams in the Pac-12 every year. Like, again, USC of, of the Pete Carroll era, it was... The 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 USC and the and the nine dwarves or whatever the people used to call it, but USC was still up there in BCS conversations every year. It's like what Clemson has with the ACC yeah. now. Right? So if, if the only reason you don't get into the playoffs is because you lose. Yeah, just so like, just be good. Just just be, be so many of these issues. Notre Dame goes just the, being good. Notre Dame goes to the playoff just by winning the games in their conference in the in their in their schedule, and their schedule is never even as formidable as, like, the Pac-12. So, like, again, if you're undefeated... Eh, I wouldn't say that. Notre Dame plays some crazy difficult schedules sometimes. That's true. It's up and down. But either way, if USC went undefeated, USC would be going to the playoff. Right. If USC had one loss, USC is in the playoff conversation. USC just isn't in the playoff conversation, not because the Pac-12 is down, but because USC isn't the team lifting the Pac-12 up. Well, this has been my, my complaint with the conference, why did the conference not go to the playoff in 2015? Because Stanford lost to Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah. And and in 2017, SC lost now, to Notre Dame. Why was Stanford... And Washington pl- State. Why was Stanford playing Northwestern at 9 a.m. to start their season? That's a question for Stanford to answer. Because in the SEC, LSU would not play that game. So, like, again, the Pac-12 has to own itself here. It's not, you know... I think the Pac-12 gets a raw deal a lot of the time, but, like... The Pac-12 can fix this problem on their own. They don't need outside help to fix the problems that they have. Yeah, 100%. Uh, That's going to wrap up this episode 412 here as we get ready to start previewing the individual games. Wednesday we'll be doing that. USC and San Jose State locking arms at the Coliseum on Saturday. Wednesday will be our first game preview of the season. Because Alicia, it's game week. It is game week. It is. It Look at is. That. Look at that. Our next episode is a game preview, Michael. I know. Within a few days, we're going to be doing our first car cast of the year. Wow. Not from a car. Not Sorry, Keely. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, we won't be talking before because I'll be at the game. That's true. All be, of our conversations will be entirely fresh. Yeah. And it'll be completely. Yeah. 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 So there you go. Uh, yeah. Send us emails and. Uh, Messages, all that kind of stuff. RayofTroyFanSide.com is our, is our uh, email address. Phone number 213-373-1872. That is the phone number. Give us your emails and calls before the game preview uh, to let us know your over-under picks for USC against San Jose State or to just let us know uh, what your questions are in the game preview, uh, which will be coming to you on Wednesday afternoon. So, yeah, thanks for always as listening, uh, for listening. And again, go to the show notes right now and uh, check out the season-long over/under to make your picks and get locked in, uh, and to see how you can compare to us uh, for the year. So, uh, at least you got a final word. The final word is Mahomes, as in 
I'm constantly writing things about Patrick Mahomes. And wouldn't it be cool if, like, Jackson Dart was Patrick Mahomes level? Can I just say he gets a bad rap for the whole ketchup thing? What is the ketchup thing? He puts ketchup on everything and people don't like that. Oh, I don't yuck other people's yums. If you like ketchup on things, by all means, ketchup, ketchup is good. I'm things. sorry. But if you're eating ketchup on steak, then I do got to have a word with you about what kind of steak you're eating. Ketchup goes on day two or three steak that isn't that good. That's fine. But again, it doesn't go on. Why are you eating bad steak then? No, no, that, that's but fair. like steak and eggs, I think you can do ketchup with steak and eggs. Why I would like, you put eggs on steak? Well, no, I, you have eggs next to steak. No, they shouldn't share a plate. <laughs> okay, that's fine. All right. Uh, see you. See you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.